Well, hey there, and welcome to the Saints Church Glory Hills podcast. We're so happy that you joined us today. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, we believe that God will speak to you through one of our pastors today. Let's jump in. Uh, We're continuing our series on You've Got Mail, and I heard last week Larry did an amazing job bringing the word, and uh, yeah, come on, you can give it up for him again. And I was at our Glastonbury location bringing the word there, and I'm excited to be back here, and I want to share a few things with you today, and I don't really have a title for today. You could call it, if you want, Look Again or A New View. You can, it's kind of pick your title Sunday, okay? You can pick the title that you want, and if the Holy Spirit gives you a better one than I have, just write down your own title and listen to the word of God today. So we're going to read 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 to 17, and we're going to walk through this. I believe that God wants to share show us a few things, and then I got three questions to ask us that are going to challenge us in all that God wants to do in our lives. So here we go. First John chapter 2, verse 7 to 17. It says, Beloved, I'm writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light, DC talk, uh, and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever takes his brother, uh, whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers. Because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but, everyone say but, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you today that your word's alive, it's powerful, it's active, it's living, and when we let it take root in our hearts, you can cause your will, your purpose, and the life of Jesus to grow in us and through us. So would you open our ears and open our hearts today in Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen, amen, amen. So here we find three sections as we get into this idea of you've got mail. Now we're into the second chapter of John's book. And, and originally we talked about the big overview here is this is like Grandpa John trying to write a letter or pull you over at the cabin when all you really want to do is water ski or go get on the boat or go down to the beach. And you know when your grandparents are like, come sit with me, I want to talk to you. And you're like, I took holiday days for this. I don't want to sit and talk to you. But because it's grandma or grandpa, you're like, I better listen. And they start talking about all these things. And John starts talking about Jesus. And he starts talking about his love for us. He starts talking about uh, our love for one another. And it seems on the surface is a really nice letter. And we're talking about the love of God and the life of God and all of these things. But it's actually riddled with the deep core basic theologies that he is trying to make 
make sure the church holds on to because at this time in Ephesus, the church is fighting uh, a new Gnosticism, the rise of Gnosticism and a higher knowledge than what uh, God has already done. So people are now trying to take what they know and add it to the gospel and say, well, you don't really need to worry about sinning or you don't really need to worry about this because we've had a higher knowledge since Jesus left and went away. And John's saying, no, 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 I lived, I walked with Jesus. I'm the last standing apostle who actually sat with him and, and did life with him. And he says, I want to remind you of the things that are most important. And I just, I just want to talk about Jesus. And I want to talk about what he has for you. And he starts laying this out. And when we get to the second chapter here, when we get to verse 7 through 17, we actually find three sections. The first section, he talks about light and love. Everyone say light and love. So he's like, let's talk a little bit about light and love. And then the, the second section, he, he basically puts this uh, poetic message about maturity. All of a sudden, if you look in your paper, paper Bible, you see the way the, the phrasing, the paragraphs go, the, the way that this is written, it changes, and the way he goes from fathers or from children to fathers to young men and then to uh, children to fathers, again, young men, he, the way he writes it and the way it appears in the text, it comes across as this poetic sequence trying to remind the entire church of your call to maturity, to knowing God, to grow in Him, and how you overcome and what you stand on. And then we go to this third section where we come to this warning about loving the world. And he says, don't love the world. Don't love the things of the world. And, and it's kind of really interesting that how he jam-packs all three of these things together because it's like, John, like you just have so many things in your head that you're kind of talking nonsense and jumping from one thing to the other. And we're like, John, Grandpa John, are you losing it? Have you lost your ability to preach and teach? You know, are, you're getting that old. And it's like, no, I'm being very intentional about what I want you to see and what I want to show you. Because from the very beginning, he says, I want to show you what is most important. It's something that you know. It's what Jesus did. It's what he's leading you forward in. But then you're going to anchor that around how am I going to walk with Jesus all my life and mature as a Christian, be a believer who is continually discipled and growing, and then how am am I going to live in the face and light of a world that does not want to go the way God is calling me to go? And he walks us through that sequence. And so uh, I want you to know a few things today, but before we get there, if we go to Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 29, it's interesting that this reminds me of this story. It says, and behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test. He said, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law and how do you read it? Now, this is interesting because when he says, how do you read it? Here's the title of the message. How do you see what God wants to do in your life? This is where I got that title, look again or a new view. Because John's talking about, I'm going to give you a new commandment. Actually, it's an old commandment, but I need you to see it in a new way. And this is the question he asked the Lord, how do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. You do this and you will live. But desiring to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In some other passages where this story is told, it's Jesus saying, 
This is the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbors yourself. It says, on these two, the whole law and prophets hinge. This is the desire of God for all humanity. And if you go back to Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, we find this. When the people were frustrated with one another, when they were wronged by one another, the desire would be to get back at them, right? If you've ever had a sibling, you know. I don't want mom and dad to tell me to hug and make up and forgive one another. I want mom to not look and take out vengeance on my own. And, and isn't it amazing that all throughout Scripture, God knows in our humanness, he goes, this is going to be your natural inclination, but I have a command for you. He says, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people. Whoa. See, we take love your neighbor as yourself, and we're like, this is great. This is for people outside, for people who don't know Jesus. And, and the Bible is very clear. No, 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 no. When your Christian brother or sister offends you, you can't go around hanging on to a grudge, carrying offense, trying to work this out on your own because it's not only going to hurt them, it's going to hurt you. The Lord gave this command, not in the New Testament, in Leviticus. Like in the same book that said when someone else does wrong, you drag them outside and you stone them. But then he says, you don't hold a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself, for I am the Lord. And all the way back in Leviticus, God brings us to a place where he says, hey, if you're going to call yourselves the people of God, be called by my name, because in the Old Testament, that was the Jewish nation. In the New Testament, we have come to Jesus, and we come to the Father through Jesus. So as believers, as Christians, we call ourselves by the name of Christ. This is him saying, you need to love your neighbors yourself. And yes, that's talking about the world out there, but it starts in here. And John says, I want to remind you, dear children, that you need to love one another. So I'm going to talk to you about an old command. And this is the thing that John's saying. He goes, it's an old command. And I know some of you are going to nod your head and say, yeah, Grandpa John, we know. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then we do what the young lawyer did. And we're like, well, what does that really mean? Do I have to go to church to love God? Do I have to worship? Do I have to do this and that? Well, like, what if they wronged me? What if they did this? What if, what if this circumstance or that? And the, and, and the lawyer goes, he goes, well, who is my neighbor? And we get into this cycle of trying to justify ourselves. And John knew that as believers, we would come so far in our discipleship, in our growth, in our faith. And there will be moments and times when our character is tested. And the love of God that we've experienced for ourselves and we're supposed to have for others will be tested. And we will want to go down the road of justification to not forgive, to hold on to something, to not treat someone the way that we should. Because... Maybe there's a way I can twist this or work this and feel justified. The old commandment was to love our neighbor as ourselves. So it's not a new thing to say to love one another, but because of Jesus, it's a new way to live out loving one another. Because in Jesus, we have a new covenant, and in Jesus, we have a perfect example. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean we need to be perfect like Jesus? 
I don't think God ever expects us to be perfect, but he sent Jesus as an example to show us that we could become more and more like him. And our heart should always be to be more and more like him. So we're trying to justify ourselves. Justifying for ourselves how we will live and walk and treat people actually only hurts us down the road. You see, I used to be skinny when I was young. Can I get an amen to everyone over 35, you know? Uh, at the church I worked at when I was younger, we had a, a custodian that did contract work. And then we moved to a bigger building and we, we had some different crews. And then we eventually went back to the other guy. He came back and took the contract. He, he let it go for a while. And when he came back on the contract, he's like, Pastor Jeremy, good to see you again. I remember when you were skinny. And he said it to me like four times. I'm like, you know, what do you say to that? But years of, oh, man, it was just a long Friday, and, you know, Brandy and I gave up date night again because we hung out with the smell of junior high every Friday for the first 15 years of our marriage. And so you're tired, and you're worn out, and it's been a long week. And so we would sit on the couch and watch uh, our PVR episodes of Biggest Loser while I ate a whole pizza and snacks from 7-Eleven. That doesn't work out after a while. My justification doesn't stop me from the consequences that are going to come on me. And a lot of times in our faith, in our walk with God, and in our relationships with one another, everything we use to justify ourselves actually only comes back to hurt us down the road. We have fractured relationships. We wonder why things aren't working out because we've justified ourselves where we could actually humble ourselves and say, God, I need you to move in this area. I need you to help me in this thing that I'm dealing with. And so the law was there, and, and we don't like law. We, we, we always want to talk about the new covenant, and we're under grace, and we're not under law, and that's true. But have you ever looked at the law as actually something that was loving? See, a lot of times we look at law and we see law as the very thing that's going to stop us from having fun, the very thing that's going to stop us from living our best life. And we think the law is just going to hinder us. Law was actually in place to enhance the love of God in the community. The law of Moses was there so you would love your neighbor as yourself. It wasn't there so you wouldn't have fun or you couldn't do the things that you wanted to do. The law was there because you shouldn't take your neighbor's wife. The law was there because you shouldn't murder someone. The law was there because when you covet other people's things, you're never happy with where God is bringing you in life. The law was there to enhance our love for one another and cause us to live differently. But I want you to know this. Not only was the law good, it was impossible to keep. So Jesus comes full of grace and truth and he fulfills the law. And because of Jesus, though we know we're not perfect, though we know we can never fully fulfill the law, we know that we are sinners saved by grace, walking with Jesus one step at a time, we can learn to look at Jesus' example because he was full of grace and he was full of truth. He didn't say you can go on and keep sinning and do whatever you want, but he didn't say that I'm going to punish and strike you down the minute you make a mistake. There is a grace to come into and there is a tension there that when we follow Jesus and we walk with him, that's how we're supposed to hold our relationships among one another. 
We're supposed to love one another so that when law of human nature is broken or relationships get hard or things get frustrating, we have a higher call and standard to go towards in Jesus. So here's what I want you to know today. I want you to know three things, and then I'm going to ask you three questions. The first thing I want you to know is this. Love and light. Everyone say love and light. Love and light walk hand in hand. Love and light walk hand in hand. 1 John chapter 2, verse 8 says this. It says, at the same time, it's a new commandment that I'm writing you, which is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. We cannot love the way God calls us to love if we will not let the love of God and the light that Jesus brings expose the darkness within us. Because our sin nature, our human nature, wants to justify, it wants to cover, it wants to do its own thing. But when we experience the love of God, it actually means we're experiencing the light of God. And he's going to start saying to us through the power of his Holy Spirit, hey, I want you to work on this area. I want you to change this in your life because I've called you to better. I've called you to more. And there is grace for your shortcomings, but there is truth in the word of God. And if you say, I always want to live in grace, but I never want to walk in the truth, he says, you're still in darkness, you're blinded, you're deceiving yourself. Love and light go hand in hand, and we need to walk in both. Because the light exposes areas that we must push back so we can live and love and see differently. Loving people sometimes gets forgotten. That's my next point. I'm not ready to go there. But when we experience the love of Jesus, where he says, little children, I want you to love one another. I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. But I want you to see it through the eyes of Jesus. Jesus took this to another level where he loved people. And so when it comes to our walk with Jesus, when it comes to our faith, the light of God exposing things in us and pushing back the darkness and experiencing his love, they can't be separated. So when we say, well, I just, I love love. I want to live in the love of God. Well, then he's going to love you. And because he loves you, he's going to shine his light on your life. And it's not people telling you this or that. But if we are willing to listen to the Holy Spirit, he's going to say, hey, there's some dark areas and I just want to show you these because through me, you can overcome and you can love other people and follow my example and live differently. You don't have to live the way you've always been living because a loving God doesn't expose to bring shame, guilt, and condemnation, but to bring change, health, and wholeness. And that happens through Jesus. So I want you to know, love and light go hand in hand. Second thing I want you to know this morning is this. Loving people sometimes gets forgotten when we become so self-focused even in our own spirituality. Now, some people are going to have a hard time with this. Self-care and self-love, great. Don't burn yourself out. Don't, don't be unhealthy in your decisions. But there is a tipping point and a measuring point where self-love and self-care and I come first does not line up with the gospel. Even in spirituality, 
Because what John is actually getting to when he starts talking about, uh, you know, if you say you love God, but you hate your brother and sister, or you don't have time for them, you're actually still living in darkness. And don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying take care of your health, not saying take care of yourself, but I'm just saying we can lean so heavily to a point where my desires and how I feel dictates everything I do, where there is a God and a gospel that actually strengthens, heals, covers us, and will show us the right things to be doing so we can be healthy and whole in Jesus Christ. And as we do that, as we, as we experience who he is, we, we need to understand that sometimes people get forgotten in the midst of it. And, and I actually think there are people who in their spirituality desire to know God so much and get so spiritual that they actually forget to love their brothers and sisters. And it's all about me and my walk with God and how deep I am in the word and all this stuff. And those are good things. But if you could do all those things and you have no grace, no love, no tolerance, no invitation for people who need Jesus or friends and loved ones that are struggling in their faith and you don't know how to love people, you've missed the whole point. Because just like the Gnostics, you think you know so much about God, but you don't know how to love like God loves. And so in... 1 John chapter 2, verses 9 to 11, it says this. It says, whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. He uses a strong word like hate because he's also using a strong word like love. And you're like, well, what are you saying, Pastor Jeremy? Well, there are actually some commentators that go after so-called spiritual people that want to know more of the word and they want to know these deeper mysteries and these higher doctrines, but they could care less about the people around them in their life when they're struggling. And there's no love of God in them to lead people closer to Jesus to put their arm around them, to pray with them, to help them through their struggles because they've come to a higher knowledge of God and I'm just better than you. Well, you better get your act together. And it's sad and it's scary because I've known people like that. I've seen leaders like that. And it's always someone else's fault, but I've come to learn in my life that if I'm really vulnerable, if I'm true before God in my relationship with him, I need Jesus just as much as anyone, and no amount of theology or depth or things that he's brought me to gives me an excuse to treat someone as lesser than because they haven't experienced and grown in that. I can come down from the study and the thoughts and the things that I know because sometimes it doesn't matter how much I know. People need to know how much I care and how much God cares. Because sometimes loving people gets forgotten in the midst of trying to know everything. And John's saying, I want to remind you that you need to not only know God, but you need to love one another. You're so focused on all of this knowledge, but if you say you love God, but you hate your brother, you don't have time to pray for them. You don't have time to put your arm around them. That's just as bad and living in a darkness and a deception that says you're so spiritual and you're so good, but you don't know how to function as part of the family. You know, Jesus said this in John 13, 35. They will, you know, they will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus wasn't talking about love for the world. 
He was talking about the way you treat each other, the way you get beside each other, the way you love one another will show people that this community is different. That this community actually cancels cancel culture. That this community actually brings people in and helps lead them closer to Jesus rather than saying, I'm so spiritual, I'm so much more better than you. When you figure it out, you can be like me too. It says, no, 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 I didn't figure it out on my own. I walked with Jesus and Jesus started showing some, me some things and teaching me some things and that's how I can move forward one step at a time and you can too. When it comes to following Jesus, we need to remember that we don't always come first and we have a call to live and love like Jesus. We're called to live, uh, we're called to love one another, to encourage one another, to live in love towards one another and challenge each other in the love of God for their lives. Now, loving, loving people doesn't mean we just let everything slide. Because there's a lot of people that don't correct sin, poor behavior, things that are going to hurt the body, hurt your relationship, hurt all sorts of things. That's not loving. If my kids, you know, are going to reach out and touch a hot pot on the stove, me talking in a nice, sweet voice, oh, that might not be a good idea, but do whatever you want. That's not loving them. Loving them is grabbing their hand before they burn it and we have to take them to the hospital. Loving them is teaching them that there are limits in things. And when it comes to loving one another, we're going to have frustrations. We're going to have things among us. And, and we have to come back to, God, show me your love and your grace on how we challenge one another to live in love towards one another so I don't wrong you and you don't wrong me and we let the Holy Spirit guide us through how to have healthy relationships. But sometimes loving people can get lost in that. Number three, third thing I want you to know, we're going to wrap up pretty soon. We started 12 minutes late today. And then I did communion and prayer for like 20 minutes or whatever it was. I want you to know that maturity is what moves us in the right direction. For a lot of my life in Christianity and my walk with Jesus and as a young man, you start to believe lies of the enemy that if you try harder, if you do better, if you get everything in order, God will love you more, your relationships will be better, all those things. And it doesn't work because you fail faster, you fail more, you live in shame, you live in condemnation, you feel like, and the enemy will prey on all of those insecurities. Now, it doesn't mean you don't try and you don't get better, but the better way to fix something is say, God, Help me mature and grow in the things you need me to grow in. Because when I, uh, when I try to set my mind to something, uh, I have to pick one task at a time and master that because I'm kind of this all or none person. So uh, if you would have talked to me five years ago, I would have been like, okay, I need to go to the gym five times a week. I need to get healthy. I need to eat better. I need to read my Bible more. I need to pray for an hour a day. I need to do all of these things. And by week two in the year after a New Year's resolution, I would fail and I'd hate myself and I think I'm never going to be who God wants me to be. But what maturity has taught me, and actually over the last three years, which changed things a lot, is, okay, God, what is the area that is most important for me to work on right now? And then I'll make small steps in the other ones. Maturity has said, I'm going to grow in my depth of the word. I'm going to grow in my prayer life. And then when I've got a handle on that and I've built it in, I'm going to grow in this other area. There is a grace of God that understands you can't fix it all on your own. So when you start walking with God, what we got to come back to is realize that maturity starts moving us in the right direction. And I preached on this a few 
few weeks ago, so I'm not going deep into it. But that's why he talks to the children first, that your sins have been forgiven. Don't let the enemy bring you down to sin, condemnation, shame. God loves you. He's your father. He wants to draw you close. But then he jumps to the fathers, and he said, hey, you need to help some people because you've known God through thick and thin. You're not just talking about head knowledge. You're talking about life experience and trusting Jesus in the good times and the bad. And I need you to be that way. And then he says, I write to you, young men, because you're learning to overcome, because the word of God is in you. You're becoming a disciple. You're becoming a warrior. You're becoming someone who is maturing to fight the battles you need to fight. And if our question to God is, how can I mature? How can I grow? It will always lead us in the right direction. Can we have the band come back up? When it comes to loving one another, I want us to understand and be very honest about this. Frustrations come. People aren't easy. You know, the prov- there's a proverb that says, where there, no, where there are no oxen, the stable is clean. Life gets messy. But maturity and knowing God are how we are going to love one another the way Jesus loves us. Maturity and drawing close into his presence are going to be the things that lead us in the right direction. And so as we close today, I just want to ask you three questions. And why don't we stand? Three questions for us to put in our back pocket and to take home. And the first question is this. The first question we should ask ourselves if we want to get a new view and a new perspective on how we can love one another and walk in the light of God. The first question is, where are we at? Because in that scale of discipleship, children, fathers, young men, no one is left out. John is saying, when I say I want you to love one another, he's saying it doesn't stop for all of your journey with Jesus, for all of your relationship with Jesus. There's a growth that needs to happen. And I think when we ask the question, where am I at in my discipleship journey? We're asking God, what areas do I need to grow in? Where have I been trying to figure things out on my own that would be actually better off served if I would just mature in Jesus and know him better? Some of you are so wound up in your head trying to fix your proclivities and your personalities and I get it. There are things about the way I think, the way I see things. I'm like, God, like I, I hate that that's my first reaction in the flesh. You would be far better served in just saying, Jesus, can I spend more time with you? Can I know you more than trying to figure out why that is that? Because can I tell you that in your flesh, in your own strength, you're not going to change it. But the Holy Spirit in you can change you. He can help you see differently. He can help you walk differently. And we have to be honest with ourselves and we say, God, where am I at? Because when I know where I'm at, I can grow from there and see and respond more clearly. 
question number two. Everyone say number two. We're almost done. My question is, what do we love? Do we love ourselves? Do we love our spirituality? Maybe some of us even love our darkness and we don't want it to be exposed. Or do we love letting the light of Jesus come in, flood us with a love and grace that can only come from God? This is Lord, I am just so thankful that I don't have to have it all together and you love me and you're leading me forward and show me how I can walk through these things. So what do we love? Where are we at? But lastly, I think we need to ask ourselves as a church and as a body, how are we going to live? Which ultimately leads to what are we going to live for? In the last three verses of this passage, verse 15 to 17, there's a warning about loving the world and it says do not love the world and it's like wait a minute didn't John 3:16 say for God so loved the world aren't we supposed to love like God well yeah the word cosmos here is used in two different distinct ways there is God loving the world that he created and the people that he created but then there's an inflection when John writes about it and he says no no you don't I'm not saying don't love people but don't love the systems and the structures and the way the world thinks and the darkness that it lives under because so many believers got caught up in loving the things of this life and it distracted them from the love of God and it distracted them from the future that they had in Jesus and it changed what they lived for so they started living for stuff they started living for different relationships they started living for things and John's saying look if we're going to love one another if we're going to grow in the love of Jesus you cannot have the love of the world in you because they don't coincide And you say, well, what's wrong with the world? We're, we're in it, but not of it. Well, John was very clear, and he leads us down this path. He says, because when we begin to love the world, it lures and entices us with three things. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. See, the world system says, look at what you want to look at. Go after what you see. It's all there for you. Gratify your flesh. Make yourself happy. Do whatever you want to do. And the pride of life says, I did this myself. I'm a self-made man or woman. And the gospel says, we are sinners saved by grace. Apart from Jesus, I can do nothing. So in the light and love of Jesus, I understand what people are chasing and I understand what's leading them astray, but I can invite them to come and see what Jesus wants to do in their lives. But we have to ask the question, what do I want to live for? Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or are looking to get connected in any further way, head to saintschurch.ca and we would love to meet you. 